When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hith Liday. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Uh, joining me this week, uh, as last week, as one of our great writers on ATQ, uh, Badwater. How you doing? Doing pretty good. Much better than last week and the weekend before. So you snatched life feel... from the jars of death? <laughs> I did. Once again, I emerged victorious. Not today. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, the baseball team uh, is in action actually tonight as we uh, record on Tuesday night. They're going up against Gonzaga again, this time uh, in Eugene. Um, they wrapped up over the weekend a series uh, at Arizona State and, in fact, won for the first time ever uh, in Tempe um, a, a series. Um, the, the bats really came alive on the Friday and, and Sunday games. Uh, they dropped the Saturday game, which was a little weird. You know, cold bats. Uh, well, not that cold a bat. You know, they wound up scoring four runs. They just gave up six. Um, but, uh, you know, we were talking about last week, Badwater was just like, uh, oh man, uh, half of this podcast was really freaking out about where Oregon's bats went, and uh, and the other half of this podcast was like, "No, nah, it's fine." Um, and and uh, what do you want to say uh, to that uh, turn of events? Well, um, the Ducks are in a critical stretch in baseball, and it's because of who they're facing in. Pac-12 opponents, and let's not forget Gonzaga, because Gonzaga is a nationally ranked team, and tonight's game is hugely important. But uh, also, um, there's going to be, uh, I think, a, a couple of keys in tonight's game in the coming uh, weekend series against Arizona. Um, one is that you're clustering a bunch of games uh, together. You know, we come off uh, a weekend series into a Tuesday game and then into a weekend series that starts on Thursday instead of Friday. Right. They're, so, they're essentially they're playing seven games in nine days. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is a that's a tough stretch, especially on your pitchers. So it'll be very interesting to um, see how the Ducks uh, cope with that. I thought their Friday game was very interesting pitching management uh, because yeah, they've, they've seen this coming for quite a while and it was knows what to do. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the mid game against Gonzaga, the midweek game is managed pitching wise. I'm very interested in, in seeing who they bring out 
uh, for their starter and how they relieve the starter, much like last Friday. You know, it's interesting. A couple other interesting notes uh, to me, like in particular, that Sunday game against Arizona, you know, it just struck me that Arizona is making a lot of like slot like Oregon was hitting well, you know, don't get me wrong. They were, you know, swinging early and connecting and putting the ball into play. And, you know, none of that's real easy. Um, And and they were effectively doing it, but they were getting extra bases off of uh, Arizona State just playing real sloppy um you know there was the uh the little league home run you know where basically a a a double turned into a home run on two fielding errors and that's just the most egregious example you know i've seen extra bases all the time on just you know poor throws you know out of arizona state i don't think you can expect that out of gonzaga um I don't think you can expect that out of a lot of teams at the, you know, uh, that's coming up in the, the inaugural Pac-12 baseball tournament. Um, you know, I do think that Oregon has an athletic advantage against a lot of the teams that they play in baseball as they do in softball, um, as they do in most sports. Um, uh, but, you know, uh, where it's sort of being clear to me, I know that you want to talk about the pitching. I want to talk about the offense. Like the, the thing that's remarkable to me is that, you know, they – they put up big scores because this is a really effective base running team and they know how to take advantage of mistakes. Um, and I, you know, what's your take on that? You agree? You think I'm off base? What do you think? Uh, no. And, uh, I'll talk about a kind of a microcosm of, uh, what you're talking about. You know, I was uh, picking on Jacob Walsh last podcast for his batting discipline. He did not bat, uh, in the second UC San Diego game, mm-hmm. and in the, he didn't bat in the first uh, ASU game, even though you know, he was on uh, first base in the bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, then comes Saturday, uh, out of the the eight or ten um, runners that were left on base. Uh, on that Saturday loss, Jacob Walsh accounted for four of those. Then on Sunday, he walks twice and then knocks off that home run. So, um, so the pitching, uh, I mean, sorry, the batting coaching has obviously worked with him, you know, and uh, tweaked whatever, uh, you know, freshman's mistakes he's making at, at the plate. Yeah, because he he needs to be patient and not swing at dirt, and it really showed up uh, this last weekend. Yeah, he he had a fantastic outing in that respect on Saturday and Sunday, and they need him this weekend and weekend on offense. Well, the other thing I'll tell you about watching Arizona State um, was that it, it was very clear that they were uncomfortable with their bullpen. And, you know, I got to say watching Oregon, it's, you know, I, I can't say that I'm in love with any one of Oregon's pitchers, you know, that the, the, uh, there are some who've had some nice seasons. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm not seeing like when I watch softball and I watch an ace pitcher who just shuts down the opponent and they go scoreless, like, you know, I don't think Oregon's baseball has an ace pitcher in that sense, but what they do have is a lot of relief. They have a lot of guys that they're comfortable with. I sometimes wish was would, would move a little faster, uh, in pulling him. In fact, I think we saw that in the Sunday game against Arizona state where, uh, you know, the starting, uh, pitcher was having a pretty good.
good game, but they left it in for maybe like half an inning too long. Um, I, re- I really wish Waz were a little quicker on the trigger on that one. But anyway, Arizona State definitely needed to pull their starter. And like they didn't have anybody to replace him with. You know, the next guy like immediately gives up, I think, two hits. Um, you know, o- Oregon uh, uh, collected multiple walks uh, uh, against Arizona State on Sunday, including two where they were hit by pitches, which like, you know, I. I, I don't think that was chin music. You know, I think he just lost control of his pitch. And like, I think the Arizona state coach, you know, like cut the shots of the guy just staring there looking shell shocked. Like, how is my pitching this bad? Like, how do I not have better options than this? And, you know, Oregon is not uh, in that situation. You know what I mean? Right. And um, it's not necessarily in defense of the ASU situation because uh, Oregon has to deal with the same thing, but, uh, the there were some brutal temperatures there. Oh yeah, it was hot Saturday and Sunday. I mean, uh, I would. But I mean, I, if I would, you, I would, melt. If I would you, be a pedal. I mean, no one has ever in the history of the universe been forced to go to Arizona State University. Um, although there was a funny line in the Aunt Becky scandal transcript about that. Uh, the, the like. If you choose to play in Tempe, you ought to be used to the heat, buddy. Like, I, I don't got no sympathy for that one. Yeah, you got to know what's coming. And like I say, it affects uh, um, those of us ducks that are okay with our soggy weather uh, mm-hmm. just the same. So, uh, yeah, the, you know, the, ducks had, the Ducks had a really great offensive uh, weekend, and they they almost cleared the hurdle on Saturday. Just not quite. Uh, yeah, you know, like, honestly, I, I've said this a few times on this podcast, like, most of my life watching baseball, four runs is enough runs to win a baseball game. <laughs> um, you know, it, that was really just like, you know, they broke down in a couple innings, you know, on the defensive side and let a few more runs go than they should have. Um, and even in that Sunday game where they were throttling them, they let Arizona State sort of like sneak in a little bit, you know, they, uh uh, in fact, I think I was making fun of you in the game thread for inviting that. Um, but, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, you know, that that's, you know, what I'm looking for now, you know, as to tonight's game, you know, against Gonzaga, this podcast will go up after the game concludes. So we're going to sound like idiots. If we talk about it too much. It's just inevitable. Um, but like, you know, that's what I recall about, you know, the, the game that they played in Spokane as a midweek or earlier in the season was that, you know, you, you wrote a preview article and uh, were slurms and I, I can't remember who did it um, in, in which uh, no, it was you definitely like and you were talking about like, you know, this team's got a really great pitching staff. Um, and then they wind wound up not showing it because, you know, as the announcer said repeatedly, like, ah, they don't really care about this game. They only care about conference play right now. Um, and so they had like their third baseman, you know, uh, pitching, um, you know, and Oregon beat them, I think, nine to five or something like that. Um, I, I wonder what's going to happen in this game uh, in terms of like Gonzaga's pitching. Well, you know, they're up to number 10 now. Um they are, you know, probably jockeying for position. You know, they will probably get a regional, um, but it's not certain yet. I, I think they would love to bag the Ducks um, to guarantee themselves, you know, hosting a regional. Um, I think they might bring out the firepower tonight. What do you think? Yeah, I would uh, agree with that. Um, it's a different point in the season, and uh, the Bulldogs do not want to let this one get away from them. Because so uh, this is all to say, uh, you know, if Oregon loses, it was, you know, they just had the target on their back, man. You should forgive them. But if they win, oh boy, 
you know, uh, uh, Duck Natty, here we come. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, we're no, we're no. covered either way. I'll, I'll edit the <laughs> podcast tonight after we record and the game is over so that, you know, whatever we say sounds smarter. Um, uh, I we think sh- we're going to see some more ferocious uh, pitching from uh, Gonzaga and uh, the Ducks need to respond. You know, their, their bats need to connect because they have, they, they still have the relief staff to uh, back up the offense. Well, they, uh, they finish, uh, the regular season before the, um, before the PAC 12 tournament, it's entirely at home, right? They get, you know, finishing beating Arizona state on the road was great. What was even nicer is that, uh, they get four games at home, uh, you know, against Gonzaga and Arizona, which is also ranked. Uh, and then they got to go back to, you know, Arizona, um, for the PAC 12 baseball tournament. Uh, you know, they've shown they can win in Arizona. They've shown they can win in Eugene. Um, and those are, you know, pretty different climates. Uh, so, you know, I, I like the, the Ducks going into this. You know, they dropped out of the rankings after their, you know, horrible series against, uh, you know, Oregon State, which I have a hard time blaming them for. Um, but like, you know, I, I, I like this homestand to finish it out. You know, I think if they, you know, I think if they beat Gonzaga like they did earlier in the year and they win the series against Arizona, you know, another ranked team that should put them, you know, in a pretty good, you know, mental place going into the back to tournament. That's what I'm looking to see. Yeah, tonight's going to be a um, really good game against two pretty evenly matched teams. I'm I'm looking forward to it. All right, let's take a break. When we get back, we'll talk about some softball. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right. After uh, a week off, uh, the the Oregon Ducks softball team got their regional notification. They will be heading uh, to Fayetteville, Arkansas, to play in the Arkansas Regional. Um, the first team up uh, is Wichita State, um, which ain't a half bad team. I think they're uh, like 36 uh, nationally in RPI. Oregon is 17. Um, uh, it's a double elimination tournament. Uh, so, um, and the, the other two teams of course are Arkansas, which is the number four seed and number four in RPI. That's going to be a real tough team to get past. Um, and then the last team in the regional is Princeton. Uh, Princeton's like 122. I, I have a hard time seeing Princeton winning a game in this tournament, uh, or in this regional. Um, you know, I, I expect that Arkansas will take care of business against Princeton in their first game. Uh, Oregon will probably have something of a fight against Wichita state in their game. Uh, but then they basically, you know, assuming that they beat the shockers, they, they got to beat, you know, Arkansas twice. Um, and I got to say, I, you know, uh, Arkansas is 44 and nine, you know, the, the ducks beating them twice would constitute like a substantial percentage of all of their losses that they have suffered in in the year 2022. I don't know. I feel like this is a pretty tough matchup for the ducks. How are you feeling about it? Well, on paper, um, the shockers and the ducks are, pretty evenly matched um wichita state can uh bring on the bats they've scored some significant runs um uh certainly 
not necessarily uh, against the same kind of competition as the Ducks face in the Pac-12. Um, but they can bring the bats to the table. The pitching's fairly evenly matched. Uh, both teams struggle to win games against top 25 teams. So they're, they're pretty much even in that respect. And I think that when you dig a little bit, the, the Ducks probably have a slight advantage uh, given the nature of the Pac-12 competition that they've had to face. But these are two really evenly uh, matched teams and I'm looking forward to a really good game that, you know, the Ducks are riding some momentum. Wichita State's beatable. Oh, I definitely think the Wichita State's a beatable team. You know, they, they, uh, they, you know, they honestly, they did not challenge themselves that much. And, and multiple, you know, multiple, their, their most challenging opponents, you know, the games were uh, canceled or postponed, like, Arkansas, for example, um, uh, you know, they had a Minnesota game that was canceled. Um, and then, you know, it's sort of like, you know, a lot of their conference opponents or, or the, the conference that they pull, they, they wind up drawing um, a, a bunch of um, um, American athletic conference uh, teams because, because, well, they're, they're in a weird situation. Um, but like, boy, the AAC looks bad at baseball um, or softball, excuse me. Like they are annihilating, you know, certain teams. Um, but then I look up their, you know, record and their RPI standings and it's like, oh, well, that's why. Um, yeah, I, I I think, you know, Wichita State looks like a paper tiger to me. Um, uh, I, I, I'm not really worried about Oregon getting past them. On the other hand, it means that they're probably, you know, if Oregon w- wins a game against Arkansas, you know, I really have a hard time seeing Arkansas getting like, you know, eliminated by Wichita State. You know what I mean? Like, it's probably, you know, Wichita exactly. State's a, it's not a great draw for Oregon because it's a tough enough team to to play, you know, so they can't just cruise in their first game, but it's not tough enough to like, you know, take out the, uh, the top seed, uh, in the regional bracket. You know, that's the, you know, uh, yeah. Arkansas so, at, at home is just a, a really tough regional draw. That's, that's just all there is to it. And it's going to be tough for, uh, anybody that faces them. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, you know, I, I have a, I have a hard time seeing the Ducks make it past the the regional in this uh, time around. Uh, if they do, however, the super regional will be real fun because the other uh, teams, uh, you know, the team opposite or the, the bracket opposite them for the super regional contains both Washington and Texas. Um, so that'd be real fun to see who comes out of That's that. That's going to be a battle. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's take a break. Uh, we get back. We'll, uh, we'll talk. Uh, uh, about track field, talk about uh, golf, we'll talk about a little football uh, and some more. Well, uh, which amazing championship team uh, do you want to talk about first? Well, let's um, talk about track town because Uh, the, the, the ducks picked up um, titles in the men and women's, um, you know, track and field events, which seems appropriate, being that it's in Eugene, and uh, you know, if Eugene's going to call itself Track Town, then we should be doing that kind of thing. But it, it also sets up um, the city of Eugene nicely for the worlds that are 
coming in July. And I really think that there isn't uh, any town, any city in the United States that really brings that track and field fervor um, like you'll find at Hayward Field. I just don't. I, I can't think of any town that celebrates track and field the way that, you know, Eugene does. Um, you know, I think there's a reason why worlds and Olympic qualifiers and Pac-12 championship um, and, you know, so forth, you know, happen in Eugene because like they're going to feel they're going to fill it up, you know, like the, this town takes, uh, you know, takes it pretty seriously. Um, the Pac-12 championship was. Uh, 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 it was the first time since 2017 that both the men and the women um, have won the Pac-12 title. Although, you know, the men have definitely held up their end of the bargain. I think this is their, their 17th straight uh, Pac-12 championship. Um, the uh, the women had given it up to USC the last couple of years, but they finally uh, wrestled it back. Um, the, it was, uh, you know, overall, obviously, you know, an excellent performance. Um uh, uh, Kevin Nelson, uh, d- had a, a great meet Mike Williams. Um, uh, uh, Nelson took, took three individual titles. Um, in, uh, the, 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 uh, Oregon won in the relay. They won the uh, hundred and 200 meters. Um, they swept the triple jump, uh, events, you know, it was great. It was, you know, just a fantastic performance, you know? Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to worlds, um, in July. Uh, and, and, you know, the other thing uh, that, that was phenomenal about reading, you know, seeing the media coverage of all this is that, you know, uh, you know, competing against, you know, teams like Texas A&M and Florida, you know, and so forth, you know, is wonderful. But like, I, you know, I love watching races against Pac-12 opponents where it's all these Pac-12 colors who are just like suffering in their losses to Oregon. Like there's something especially enjoyable about that. You know what I mean? Especially the, the Southern California schools. Yes, most certainly. <laughs> uh, and, and then the golf teams, both the men and women, uh, again, um, are, are doing very well. Um, the uh, women uh, went down to, to uh, I believe, Albuquerque, right? Yes. Uh, and they finished up first uh, in the NCAA uh, uh, tournament. They're, they're off to the next round, although they get a little bit of a break. Uh, you know, I think they start on the 20th um, for the next round. Um, and uh, the, men, uh, the men played today. How'd they do? Well, after coming in at 7th, I believe, uh, yesterday, today they shot their uh, second lowest round to par in program history, and now they're, they're top of the leaderboard. So, so the Duck men are saying, uh, yeah, with the, the men's team is on par with the uh, pun intended with the women's team and uh, Oregon's a golf school. Uh, yeah, definitely. Like uh, 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 definitely a golf school, not you know track and field. That's kind of old hat, right? Everybody knows Hayward Field, but like Oregon's a golf school now, right? You know, look out, everybody. Um, yeah, it takes a lot uh, for me to follow golf, but I am. <sighs> Yeah, speaking of a sport that requires a lot of concentration, uh, uh, the women's soccer team uh, is wrapping up their friendlies uh, in spring season. Uh, they're going up to Corvallis, in which, uh, you know, I think friendly will just be metaphorical. Um, and uh, we are sending an intrepid live reporter to that game. Uh, what are you looking forward to in Corvallis? Well, what I'm looking forward to is um, getting ahead of 
kind of ha- have having a sense of uh, the team and team play ahead of uh, ahead of fall. You know, the springtime in in soccer uh, are games that don't count. They're kind of uh, exhibition. They're they're the same thing as scrimmages in football spring camp. So you look for kind of the same things there. You know, who are the who are the new players that are looking good? Um, how are your established veterans doing? And uh, you know, this weekend it'll be. Uh, uh, a good game to be able to do some kind of evaluation with that uh, because it's against a uh, Pac-12 uh, foe uh, in a rivalry game, even though it's exhibition, that we'll be seeing in the fall. So uh, because soccer is sparsely covered, it's going to give me uh, an opportunity to you know, potentially get a feel for how the team is looking and who to be looking for when we get into the fall season. Well, I hope you drive safe and that there's no livestock wandering around the roads. Um, uh, be sure to bring your, your camera uh, since it will be the only coverage that we like. I went <laughs> through our entire right. photo database looking for soccer uh, photos and, and uh, the stuff. We got that, nothing. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> you are going to constitute the database uh, for our soccer uh, coverage going forward. Um, oh, I'll be ready for that. Oh, very good. And come fall, uh, I'll probably have to uh, attend some soccer games. You know, if we're, going to get additional coverage and pictures so you know for um all you both are one soccer fans out there i got you covered well this is coming dangerously dangerously close to real journalism i don't know how i feel about that <laughs> Uh, as for me, I have also been doing previewing of fall sports. I have been continuing my series, uh, previewing Oregon, uh, football opponents. Um, this week I did, uh, uh, the California golden bears, um, which I gotta be honest. Like I, I kind of got a soft bar for the bears. Uh, you know, they're, they're probably my, like my second team in the pac 12. I, I just sort of, you know, I like the university. Uh, and, uh, you know, there was a stretch there. It's now getting to be, you know, I'm getting to, to starting to date myself here in which like Cal just totally owned Oregon in Strawberry Canyon. Uh, those days appear to be over, you know, the, the ducks have pretty much owned that series with the exception of the weird fluky 2020 COVID year. Um, and even then, frankly, the ducks were out playing and they just couldn't stop turning the ball over or committing penalties, but I digress. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I've been writing previews of Cal since they're a divisional opponent. Oregon has to play them every year. You know, I, I write two articles about them every year. Um, and I'm like, uh, I, I, I like the concept of the bears a lot more than I like the execution, you know, under coach Wilcox, like, uh, you know, that guy's an, uh, a former Oregon player, his offensive and defensive coordinators are both former Oregon players. Uh, you know, and so it brings me no pleasure to like make fun of that coaching staff. I don't like that coaching staff. Um, or I like, I, I don't like the way that they make strategic decisions. Like if I can get a little technical here, like there's a difference between strategy and tactics, like, uh, on the tactical level, like it's actually a pretty good coaching staff at like squeezing the most out of their, um, out of their talent. 
Um, you know, it's like it's a disciplined team. They don't commit a lot of stupid penalties like they they don't commit a, assignment errors. You know, like you, you don't catch guy. Uh, well, uh, occasionally you do. But then like coach, you know, makes a change. Right. Like uh, they were they were having that problem at cornerback, you know, th- throughout the season where the dude was just not, you know, playing assignment football. And he, you know, and coach Wilcox swapped him out with a freshman, um, uh, you know, because of it, it was, you just sort of tells like, I will not tolerate, you, you know, you not playing you know proper assignment football but like when it comes to making strategic decisions about like which you know which coordinators to hire which quarterback to put in um you know what kind of you know offensive structure to run you know how to manage the clock uh you know and just sort of the general failure to see that like what's really holding his team back like what's really holding his team back is that it's like the 10th most talented team in the pac 12 and the failure to see that like he really needs to go out and get more talent and then when he gets that talent he needs to put his senior walk-ons on the bench and play those guys like all of these i think constitute strategic errors even while i think he's a good tactician um and like you know, and writing this article just taught me, you know, all of those lessons over again. I didn't see one single piece of evidence that that guy, you know, has grown up strategically in six years of coaching this Cal team. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it's frankly kind of like, you know, like I said, didn't bring me any pleasure to write it, but boy, I really think Oregon dodged a bullet by not hiring that guy. Oh yeah. I totally agree with you there. In fact, I, I was, um, nervous when Cristobal left about the the talk of wanting to hire uh, Wilcox or Chip Kelly. Yeah. yeah. And Chip Kelly's beloved by Duck fans and rightfully so, but he inherited an established veteran coaching staff mm. and you know, worked off of that. When he's had to establish a new coaching staff, he hasn't been as successful, and that's what we would have been looking at if Chip Kelly was rehired as head coach. And um, you know, I, I of course see the the same things that your more informed opinion does at, at Cal. I, there's just uh, no way I, I wanted to see either of those two get hired. Uh, I certainly agree with you um, uh, about, you know, I didn't want Chip Kelly either. Um, the uh, Although, well, it hmm, it's going to be a while before I publish my UCLA article because, uh, as I was complaining about last week, those guys take forever to uh, um, publish their roster. Um, and so they just, I mean, I'm not kidding. They've waited till like June or July in the past to publish their roster. And I mean, I can't do what I do until I have an official roster to work with. Um, sure. To sort of calculate like why, you know, why is this guy not on the team anymore? You know, the, that sort of question. I mean, that's my bread and butter in these articles. Um, and, and so UCLA is inevitably towards the end. I, I agree with you with that telling of Chip Kelly that like, you know, the way that I phrased it is that, you know, when he got to Oregon, it was like the plane was already gassed up. It was well-maintained. He had a clear runway. Uh, you know, all the snacks were loaded and he, you know, hopped in the cockpit, you know, hit the gas and flew that plane real well. Um, and, 
and when he got to UCLA, you know, the plane was on fire, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and, and all the snacks were poisoned. Um, and like, and he just has done a terrible job in Los Angeles. And, and I don't know, I didn't really pay attention to his NFL career, but I've, and I'm not really sure how in charge of things he was or how well it went when he got some power. Uh, but it definitely I've been watching UCLA for the, you know, five years that he's been there. Um, like I said, I haven't gotten to this year yet. Uh, it may finally be that he's got the team, you know, that he wants and that the, the fires are put out. So we'll have to see how he does this year. Um, although it's still like disturbing that it took this long for him to fire, obviously incompetent defensive staff. Um, uh, yeah, you well, know, I think he, he's been partially helped by the ineptitude of USC and well, I mean, presume, who hasn't like, yeah, exactly. But presumably, um, that'll be kind of put to rest with this, with Lincoln Riley being the coach at USC. We'll see. I mean, obviously Lincoln Riley is a better coach than Clay Helton. I mean, how could he not be? Um, but that's another team where I'm going to wait, you know, it's going to be late in this uh, series before I preview them. I don't know. Like, you know, I had questions about Lincoln Riley when I was doing my Alamo bowl, um, uh, uh, preview of Oklahoma. There were a lot of uh, ways about that, the way that team was structured that I sort of had gripes with. I, I think that UCLA or excuse me, USC fans might uh, um, have a sort of a bumpy road in the first year um, uh, because he too, let's recall, did the Chip Kelly thing and inherited a stacked team from Bob Stoops. And I mean, what Oklahoma fans have been complaining about, you know, not that anything would stop them from complaining, but uh, what they've been complaining about is like, Hey, look, at, look at all the performance indices of Oklahoma. Like each year of Lincoln Riley, the team gets worse. Um, you know, that might be another Chip Kelly too. And on the other hand, like Oregon's got a pretty stacked roster. Like maybe if Chip Kelly came in with this roster instead of the UCLA one that he inherited back in 2018, uh, maybe he'd hop in the cockpit and fly it real well. Like, I don't know about that. Um, what I, what I definitely can say for certain at this point is that Oregon dodged a bullet, you know, by not hiring just Wilcox. I don't even know how serious that offer was. I, I, it does not strike me in line with what I know about Rob Mullins to give in to like sentimentality. Like the, I understand there's some folks in the fan base and maybe some former players who want to, you know, run back to their exes. You know, I feel like that's sentimental and weak, uh, you know, um, um, and, and Rob Mullins, you know, whatever you want to say about the guy, that dude is not sentimental. That dude is not weak of spirit. Um, that dude was the, in charge of the college football playoff committee for a couple of years. Like that, you know, that dude's a, a that, that dude told Mike White to take a hike, um, cause he knew what his value was and that was not it. Uh, like and Rob some Mullins, of, yeah, some of the talk may have been just to, to pacify that, that noisy fan base that, you know, looks with uh, rose-tinted glasses on, you know, former players and f- former coaches. Yeah, I, I honestly think, you know, I, I can't prove this, obviously. This is just speculation. But based on what I know of Rob Mullins and based on what I know about Justin Wilcox, um, and, and both of those things are a lot, uh, you know, I've been studying uh, both Cal and Oregon's administrative structure. I mean, be the only person in the universe who says that with a smile on their face. Like, uh, I, I really dig organizational dynamics. And I really think, you know, one of the great untold stories, maybe I'll write a book about this someday. One of the great untold stories in American athletic history is 
you know, the rise of the Oregon Athletic Department over the last, you know, 30 years. Um, and it comes from organizational competence. Um, and Rob Mellons is, you know, it's not like he was there for the entire time, but he is one of the, you know, great athletic directors um, at Oregon. And they get there by being, you know, competent and non-sentimental. And uh, I, what I know about Mullins and what I know about Wilcox, I have a very hard time believing that that was a serious offer. I think he called him in, gave him a cup of coffee and said, I will give you $100 to coach this football team. $100 million? No, Justin, $100. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Justin Wilcox, you know, rightfully would be, you know, told him to, 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 to F off and, and walked out the door because that was the result that Rob Mullins wanted. He wanted to be able to say to everybody, I offered him the job guys. Um, and he wanted Justin Wilcox to say, no, again, this is a hundred percent speculation on my part, but it's best fit, best fit for the data. Um, sure. Because, like I said, you know, the, the point of me talking about this is to plug my article. Read my Cal preview, damn it. That's the other thing that I have to say that I, you know, I have a little bit of complaint about. Like, I got a ton of clicks on Arizona State. Uh, why? Oregon doesn't play them. They're not scheduled to play them. That team definitely ain't making the Pac-12 title game. Uh, but people want to see train wreck, right? And, and people are going to click on my Washington article and my USC article and uh, Utah article because they want to, you know, read up on the scary opponents or the rivalry opponents or whatever. Uh, everybody is sort of like, everybody sleeps on Cal. Every time, every single time I publish an article about Cal, everybody sleeps on him. Um, even the year well, where I, they beat I, the Ducks, they sleep on him. Uh, I, but like, I, as well they might, it's not a scary team. Well, I, still, yeah, I, I really dug the Cal article and they might not be a scary team, but they've had the potential in the past to be like Stanford, which Stanford is uh, kind of prevailed in the um, past eight or 10 years of, you know, being the, the party buster for the, the Oregon Ducks. Oh, you know, man, some, some my fa- they, they just got lucky last year. Give me a break. I mean, you watched that game. I, I mean, I, I did. Look, it, luck is a four letter word in the, in the analysts business. Like we do not like go into that one because it's way too easy to go to, but like, give me a break, dude. Like the offensive coordinator is in the hospital. The, the quarterback has, uh, uh, the, the, the refs went like, you could see David Shaw paying them. Like, I mean, come on. Like, I, yeah. You know, and when, once again, I was telling myself, watch Stanford do this again. You know, I was uh, in the press box for uh, the Stanford game where twenty eighteen one? Yeah, for where? No, no, no. The yes. yeah, the twenty twelve one. Yeah, that one. Yeah, for the uh, the game where D'Anthony Thomas uh, misses the tackle, and you you just watch that kind of game go to hell, and it's never left me. I mean, look uh, the 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 twenty uh, the two thousand nine game where uh, Stanford just lights Oregon up that. Uh, that aside, um, and you know, the, the 2016, 2017, when Oregon wasn't very good, um, you know, uh, uh, David Shaw, you know, or Jim Harbaugh has been the coach, you know, every single time the wins that Stanford has, 
with you know i i noted the exceptions the wind that's the winds that stanford have are fluky and weird right that 2012 game was fluky and weird right you, you know every oregon fan can tell you about like you know that tight end didn't catch that ball you know that was not a real penalty the 2018 game you know where jalen red hits the pylon and the game-winning touchdown goes off the board the 2021 game where what the hell was that you know like every time stanford wins a game against oregon with a, you know a couple exceptions where they deserve to win the game you know they don't deserve to win the game i, I know that sounds like a tautology uh but uh I mean, give me a break, dude. Meanwhile, Oregon 2015, you know, destroys them. Oregon in 2019 destroys them. Oregon in 2020 destroys them. Like, you know, you can't find, you know, close, you know, Oregon in 2010 destroy. You can't find like close wins by Oregon. When Oregon plays Stanford and they win, they destroy them. When Stanford plays Oregon and they win, it's weird stuff happened. Like Stanford is not the team that worries me. Um, you know, unless they have that magic rabbit foot in their back pocket. Uh you know, and, and for the same reason, Cal is not a team that ever really worries me. Like Cal is trying to be, you know, Stanford on offense without the offensive line or the tight end or Andrew Luck. Like uh, it is, I mean, it's remarkable to me how, how anemic that offense is. Um, and they're losing their quarterback and, you know, they haven't fixed their offensive line problem. And, uh, they're probably going to go with a transfer per quarterback from Purdue who lost his job repeatedly because he was not aggressive enough. Um, which like, oh yeah, you can tell Cal coaches, you know, the arch conservative, you know, Cal coaches are like oh, a super conservative quarterback who takes care of the ball and doesn't push it down the field. Ooh, they're, you know, they're, they're delighted at that prospect, but he's not going to have Chase Garber's legs. That was the thing is Chase Garber's, you know, I wasn't real wild about him as a quarterback, but he was a scrambler. He was an excellent, you know, scrambler. That dude bailed Cal out so much. Uh, and Plummer's not going to be able to do that. He didn't have the wheels for that. Um, you know, yeah, our, I'm still kind our, of haunted by Cal games of 15 or 20 years ago where well, yeah. it was it was the exact same thing. It's like, what the actual heck? Really? Really? This happens I mean, and the Ducks the Cal lose? games really? like 15, 20 years ago under Tedford, like they had, first of all, they had some real talent. Like, remember, like Cal, like to this day, Cal, you know, still has, I think, the most Super Bowl rings uh, of any team in the Pac-12 North. Like, is it responsible for, you know, more more Super Bowl rings than anybody else in the Pac-12 North because of, you know, some of the incredible players they put out? And I think that Jeff Tedford's a hell of an offensive coach. Like, that's, we are not talking about a lot of talent in Berkeley right now. And we are not talking about, you know, real aggressive offensive genius of a coach. Um, like that, that team's kind of, I mean, it's just kind of sad to write about, you know, frankly, cause I, I like them and I, I wish they'd make better decisions. On the other hand, I, I do think there there's a potential for their defense to be better. Um, you know, they're, they, they had an excellent defense in 2018. Um, and then just a lot of stuff happened to them. Um, I uh, read my article for accounting of all of them, um, you know, but basically they had like five big problems um, and, and they fixed like three, maybe three and a half of them. Um, and in that sense, I think their defense will be. And then on top of that, like I said, I do think that they get the most out of their players. Um, uh, well, I enjoyed so like, your, your review of Cal quite a bit and uh, I'm looking forward to, to that bearing out because that will do my heart good. 
Well, I, you know, I, I think any team that plays them, it's going to be a low scoring game because I think their defense will be better. I don't think it'll be the greatest defense in the world. I think it's going to be the second coming of the 2018 defense, but I do think there it's going to be better. Like if you, if you've set your expectation for Cal's defense based on the last three years in which, you know, they had some significant problems. I'm here to tell you, you need to reset your expectation because they fixed a lot of those problems. And the other thing about their offense is it's, a relatively efficient offense and Musgrave really wants it to be, you know, the super methodical offense. The problem is it's so unexplosive that, um, that they wind up having these long, like 15 play drives that take eight minutes off the clock and then score no points. Um, cause they don't even get into field goal range with them. Like that's how like anemic it is. But so, but anyway, you know, the, the point of, is that I expect their defense to be better and I expect their offense to hold the ball. Um, and therefore, you know, I think Cal's going to be in a lot of games where, oh, you know what? If I'm giving out gambling advice, nobody should gamble. It is immoral and and stupid. Um, if you uh, if hypothetically I were talking to a gambler who were looking for a sure thing in the Pac-12, take the under in Cal games. Uh, Cal will control the ball, not score, and will stop you from scoring. Um, like they're going to be in a lot of games where like set the un- over under at 30, give me the under, it, you know, it's going to be like 17 to 10, uh, you, the opponent's going to win 17 to 10, but they're, you know, it, it's, <laughs> they're not going over 30. Yeah. Read the article, duck fans. It's great stuff. All of Hitler's stuff is great stuff. So, all right, that sounds like uh, the perfect note to end uh, on. Uh, it's time to go watch baseball. Uh, they're just uh, finished warming up, uh, and that'll do it for us this week. Um, thanks, everybody. We'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>